This is Slack and Slash Productions. Bringing you an extra special bonus Strahdcast, a fast cast, featuring Scott Sharplin and Gail Bird. history of Barovia. Well, Lay it on me. maybe the best way for me to tell you is to tell you what I have learned from subsequent iterative editions of D&D. As Ravenloft was originally a module, 32 pages maybe. I'm going to get a lot wrong. Um, it was published in the 80s. Um, Tracy and Laura Hickman collaborated on it. It was an unusual module. Did you just say two women? No, Tracy is a dude. Uh, and Laura is not a dude. So the Well, that's half the, cool. The, that's <laughs> half cool. <laughs> the yes. The cis awesome. like, straight like, married couple. Was this in the seventies or the nineties? No, no, it was in the eighties. Um I, 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 I let's let's look it up because this is the kind of info you probably want to have right or you're gonna get a ton of mail. Uh, I do remember that it was called I six. Uh, they had a numbering, a numbering system. You remember uh, that? Uh oh. Well, unless I get it wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they, they. Back then, they were publishing eighty three. Nineteen eighty three. I was six. Here we go. I was almost ten. Uh, and back then they were publishing these standalone modules uh, for Advanced Dungeons and Dragons First Edition. I was right; it was I six. Um, <laughs> Did the, I mention you're a nerd? Uh, a little bit, a little <laughs> bit. Um, and it was unusual for a number of reasons. Stood out for a number of reasons, but it didn't like revolutionize the genre or whatever. It was just here's a funky castle with some great maps, which we talked about mm-hmm. in another fast cast, and uh, your main enemy is a vampire. With spells, that was the other kind of revolutionary thing it did was give you uh, a big bad who also had character levels and and could do some of the same things you could do. Oh, that's uh, new. That, that was new the, in 1983. It was yeah. Really? Yeah. What did you do before? Uh, you fought dragons. You yeah. fought beholders, uh, but you wouldn't fight a dragon that's also a wizard. You wouldn't fight a beholder that's taken levels in rogue. You know. So vampire was just monster. Vampire was a monster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, a template, I suppose, but in the original Monster Manual, there was just one stat block for vampires. Um, cool. Yeah. Anyway, in that original edition, there was a map of Barovia, mm-hmm. but it was almost an afterthought. The town of Barovia had two or three encounters listed in it. There was a, a, a little story going on with uh, some NPCs that you were supposed to engage with. Uh, but the rest of Barovia was just wilderness, as I, if I recall correctly, uh, until you got up to Castle Ravenloft. And that's where you spent most of that adventure. So it was probably uh, not surprising that subsequent editions expanded on Ravenloft, not by making the castle any bigger, because the castle was already huge and badass, but by expanding Barovia itself. Okay. Which is why uh, yeah. I said, well, here's Barovia, and there's the castle. What's the rest of all of this? Precisely. Precisely. Um, in 2nd edition, Ravenloft became more than just a module. It became a campaign setting. 
So in the same way that you can have adventures in Greyhawk or in the Forgotten Realms or in Eberron, these are worlds. They get their own unique flavor and their own unique monsters. Ravenloft was one of those. Uh, and it was a, a very, well, it was a unique setting because it wasn't like anybody's home planet. It wasn't, it wasn't a home plane. It wasn't, it wasn't home. It was where people get drawn in and, and sort of sucked in by these mysterious mists. And then you are trapped there. You have adventures there. In Barovia, or there were other little domains, they were called, um, that were sort of adjacent to Barovia. Um, the, the idea was to take the gothic horror flavor of Ravenloft and expand it to include any other horror-themed adventures you can imagine. Okay, so you want mummies? Great, here's your mummy domain over here. You want werewolves? We got a whole werewolf alley down here for you. <laughs> and so on. Uh, one of the domains was like, ruled by essentially Frankenstein's monster, you know. So they were taking all of the classic, you know, universal monsters uh, and, and making them into D&D-themed stories. Right. And a huge playground, a huge uh, sandbox uh, for DMs. Well, speaking of Frankenstein's monster, is Strahd mm -hmm. a, a stand-in for Dracula? Uh, yes and no. I would call Strahd uh, a... He's a count, so yeah, yeah, he's, he's basically... Uh, an, RP, an RPG version of Dracula. Probably in, at least inspired by it. Well, you can't have a vampire in any fictional medium without being at least a bit inspired by Dracula. Fair enough. Right? Um, at this point, it's, it's impossible to avoid Dracula's uh, in the cultural consciousness. Even Buffy met, met Even Dracula. Even Buffy met Dracula. Mm -hmm. uh, but more importantly, long before she met Dracula, she killed vampires by putting a stake through their heart. Which yes, did in Dracula, yeah. uh, you know, or the sunlight, you know, harmed them, which actually Dracula was okay with sunlight. But, you know, uh, most of the rules came to us, you know, whole, whole cloth from Dracula. Right. Um, I think that Strahd is, in, in our culture, maybe the fifth most famous vampire. Uh, but that's because, that's because Dracula is the number one, and then everybody else is way, way, way behind. Like, if you ask somebody who isn't into vampires to list vampires, they'll say Straw, uh, they'll, say, they'll say Straw, no, they'll, they'll say Dracula, yeah. and then they'll say the Count from Sesame Street. He's number two. <laughs> I'm, I shit you not. <laughs> so you got those two, everybody knows them. Who's also Dracula. He's also Dracula, exactly, right? And <laughs> then you get numbers. into, like, you know, the vamp Lestat, you know, and the Anne oh, Rice yeah, vampires. Yeah. Um, you've got maybe... Twilight. Yeah, the Twilight vampires, unfortunately, are, unfortunately. are, are now a thing. You know, and then, yeah, eventually you get down to the squad. He is far and away the most famous vampire in role-playing. Sure. The role-play genre, if you will. Laird loses his ever-loving mind when you talk about Strahd. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I wish, I wish he was here. Yeah, well, he will be playing with us. I know. And he will lose his ever-loving mind. It's going to be great. Over and over and over again. That's why it's going to be really stupid funny when I whip out the tiny, tiny little finger puppet and go, ha-ha. I'm not scary. And then Laird will tear my head off. It'll be great. Anyway, <laughs> Barovia. <laughs> so in the second edition, uh, the, the, the world of Straw, the world of Ravenloft, uh, exploded. There were dozens, maybe even hundreds of modules and supplements and novels and, you know, everything, everything, everything. Uh, so Barovia became a much more lived-in place at that point. Mm. 
And then I think what happened was uh, in third edition, it kind of reversed course. They didn't want Ravenloft to be a whole campaign setting anymore for some reason. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, they they third edition was very uh, they were they were very enthusiastic about publishing like player splat books, resources for players. You know, here's another book of spells. Here's another book of archetypes. Here's another well, I didn't use archetypes. Another book of prestige classes. Players they love publishing stuff for the players. Okay, uh, but they were very reticent about publishing DM materials uh, compared to previous editions, anyway. Um, and it sort of makes sense from a commercial perspective, because at every given table, there's one dungeon master and at least three or four players. So who, whose wallets do you want yeah. in on, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but eventually they published Expedition to Castle Ravenloft, which was a hardbound module that included all of the original stuff updated for third edition rules. So again, you've got the, the original maps, the uh, classic maps, you've got Barovia, and then they added a few more encounters in Barovia uh, just to flesh out that world. Maybe they borrowed some from the Ravenloft box set, I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. I don't recognize a lot of them, and I studied that box set for many, many virginal nights. Nerd. Um, so I think what we have now in the Curse of Strahd version, the 5th edition version, mm-hmm. is largely an import from that 3rd edition expedition to Ravenloft. Right, okay. I, I think that's where... So when I when I now point to locations on the Barovian map and say there's a town up here and there's some over here, I think most of that is from 3rd edition. But again, I could be wrong. Some of it's DNA may be older than that. Sure. Right. So you want to take a little tour? Sure. Yeah. So... Barovia is a mountain, mountainous country. Um, the two large mountains uh, are Mount Gakis to the south and Mount Baratok to the north. And most of the adventuring takes place in a valley between those two mountains, although it's not a flat valley by any means. There's all kinds of other peaks and so on. Um, the traditional way to enter Barovia is from the east, and you're coming in the main road towards the village of Barovia. It's got the same name as the country. Um, You pass through the gates of Barovia, and there you are at the village. And the village is in a valley overlooked by Castle Ravenloft. So you can see the castle on the map. Looks like it's pretty close by, but it's on a column of stone a thousand feet high. A thousand the feet. pillar stone of Ravenloft, Good it's Lord. called. Yeah. That's where I'd put my castle. Right. Well, exactly, right? Yeah. So so on when it's not misty, uh, and it always is misty, uh, you can <laughs> see the castle uh, from the village, imposing uh, upon the uh, upon the village. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then you've got um, paths that wind through the mountains. You've got uh, some rivers to cross. You've got some waterfalls. There's not a lot of interesting things, although usually when you get to a crossroads, there's some sort of encounter there. And then uh, eventually you'll get to the crossroads that will either take you to Ravenloft mm-hmm. or further along the old Svalich Road. These are the Svalich Woods. And the old Svalich Road will take you to Valaki, the town of Valaki. Um, and they've added some more encounters. I think that it represents a, a, a mill, uh, like a windmill, mm-hmm. called Old Bone Grinder. Yeah. And you've got some hags living in there. They will steal your babies and turn them into meat pies. Delicious. Yeah, yeah. Um, Valaki, and then further west you've got Kresk, 
are the other two towns, the other two bits of civilization. So far away. Yeah, yeah. Although, I don't know. I think I boxed it up, but there, uh, the Beale and Grimm Legendary Edition has travel times. Oh, that's uh, right. On its uh, DM screen. Yeah, I mean, a few days travel would get sure. you from one to the other. I find it really interesting that they, when they expanded, they didn't expand in a circle around, like, the village mm-hmm. and the castle are mm-hmm. off to one side, and then everything else is... Yeah, towards the west. Everything goes west. It's yeah. just really interesting that you wouldn't mm-hmm. expand, like, concentrically around it so that you could kind of spiral in, maybe, or I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, I don't know either why that would be the case, except maybe what I said, which is... The entering through mm-hmm. the gates uh, to the village uh, is, p- is part of the traditional way of playing it. So maybe they wanted right. to retain that. Um, there's a few other uh, sites. The, um, the Wizard Wines is a vineyard here. Uh, so this area here is supposed to be where all the wine gets grown or got grown. Uh, in this version, the Wizards of Wines or the Wizard of Wines is owned and operated by a family of were ravens. Um, that are potential allies. Okay. A little further down, you'll find yeah um, a witch uh, named Baba Lasaga. Uh, oh, that sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. She certainly draws heavily from Baba Yaga, uh, and you know all these names also suggest uh, either Eastern European or Russian origins, right? Okay. Um, the NPCs are all they all sound Russian, so that's. Again, a hand-me-down from Dracula, um, but Baba Yaga is a, a Russian folktale, so it makes sense that we borrow from that. And then finally, I probably missed a couple of little things, but finally you've got a temple hidden in the mountains. It's called the Amber Temple, and among other things, it's got a lich hiding in it. No, no, it's way up in the mountains. Okay. Um, There's a lich. A lich, yeah. Um, and... It's not the lich that old school fans think it will be, because there is a lich associated with Ravenloft from the box set. Actually, no, it wasn't the box set. It was uh, another module called Ravenloft 2, which I didn't mention. Um, yeah, so there it is, uh, the Amber Temple, uh, past Luna Lake, and then backtracking up Mount Gacchus. So, yeah, I guess maybe that is it. That must be it. I don't know what that is. Whatever. Um, <laughs> the podcast listeners can't see us pointing. Sure anyway. can't. No. Uh, but the Amber Temple is a, uh, it's, it's almost a traditional uh, dungeon, um, which seems out of place to me in the world of Ravenloft. But I guess the designers felt that there should be something else that was, you know, equally challenging and epic uh, alongside Castle Ravenloft um, so that you could... I don't know, go adventuring somewhere else. Sure. Um, so yeah, there's the Amber Temple. It's not it's not huge like Ravenloft. Right. But it's, 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 a whole, a, it's, a, like a, it's like a sub-dungeon. Yeah. It, it's, I think if I remember correctly, um, the good guys of long ago got a bunch of evil artifacts and evil magic and they stuffed it in there to, to keep it safe, to protect it from... Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and that's uh, another whole sort of side plot. There used to be a silver dragon that protected Barovia before Strahd came to power, and Strahd killed him. And now there are some revenants that are still invested in protecting the spirit of the dragon, and maybe you can get them on your side, and so on. 
I think that's kind of what they tried to do when they expanded it, was to say, okay, here are a bunch of other threats, but here are also a bunch of other potential allies. Hmm. In fact, there's a couple of other NPCs that maybe we'll talk about another time uh, that are so obviously, they're put in there for that express purpose. One of them is hidden, so hidden, he's in disguise, and he doesn't want anybody to find him, so you have to dig and dig and dig and dig and dig in order to get to him. And then the other one is just way out in the middle of nowhere. He's up in Mount Baratok. Like, you have no other reason to go up there. But if you happen to decide to go up there, you're going to meet... And, and they're, like, the kind of NPCs that will make Laird's head pop off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we'll talk about them another time, I think. So that's that's your tour of Barovia. All right, then. Uh, it, like I said, it's a sandbox with a whole bunch of sandboxes in it. Each town and many of the other settings are living environments. They've got NPCs who are squabbling. Some of the NPCs are going to start moving on their own missions. And so if you get to Valaki after a certain time, then so-and-so has already left to go to Kresk and so on. And again, it remains to be seen how much of that I'll be able to keep track of or how much I will just pull out of my ass. Strodcast is produced by Slack and Slash Productions. We're based in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, also known as Unamagi, the unceded and ancestral territory of the Mi'kmaq people. Other participants have joined the podcast remotely using Zoom from Treaty 6 land, aka Alberta, as well as Seminole territory, aka Florida. We're honored and grateful to live and work on native land. They're called First Nations for a reason. Our campaign is inspired by, and uses material from, both Curse of Strahd Revamped, published by Wizards of the Coast, and the Curse of Strahd Legendary Edition, published by Beetle and Grimms. Special thanks to Laura and Tracy Hickman for writing I-6 Ravenloft, the module that started it all. Let us know what you think of us. You can find us at slackandslashpod.com. Or search us on Facebook or Twitter using the same phrase, Slack and Slash Pod, all one word. If you like what we do, please rate or review us on the podcast platform where you found us. Until next time, thanks for listening, be brave, and shine bright.